Everybody, welcome to Six Pod, the Toronto sports podcast hosted by Jacob Sherman and Simon Peebles. So today's our first official episode, and Jacob and I are extremely excited to bring you guys some uh, content that is diverse, new, and full of full of opinions of two extremely dedicated sports fans. Uh, Jacob, how are you? Doing great, Simon. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Man, how crazy was the LA and Tampa game last night? Going to be honest with you, that was uh, one of the more exciting moments I've seen in the MLB, especially the postseason, um, in a long time. I'm excited to talk about that more later, but that was just a great moment. If you didn't see it, we'll talk about it more later, but amazing moment. Super exciting. I can't wait to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, the, the timing of our our first episode is, is quite um, ironic. Perfect. Perfect. Um, that that yeah because that was nuts anyways so i'm gonna go first and i'm gonna provide the kind of first topic that we're gonna talk about today is the chicago blackhawks off season and what i think they should be doing in the future um in terms of trying to build a, a stanley cup up stanley cup team so this off season was extremely weird for the blackhawks um, and this well past season was extremely kind of is was kind of weird too. They technically made the playoffs, um, but I personally don't really see that they made the playoffs because it was because of the pandemic. But they did make the playoffs, but they weren't really a contending team. And to the surprise of fans and players, they got rid of two important pieces. Uh, Brandon Saad went to the Avalanche, and uh, goalie Corey Crawford went to New Jersey. This upset fans, as I mentioned, but most notably upset the captain, Jonathan Taze, who usually is extremely reserved in these types of situations, but went publicly on the record and expressed his frustrations with the management. And shortly after that interview, he um, that the team released an open letter to the fans. Now I have the I have an opinion of open letters and that when a team feels that they need to uh, post an open letter regarding uh, their team's development or, or performance, it's usually not good. Uh, Jacob, you've read the letter. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on it? I first start off by saying that I think this whole open letter situation could have been avoided if Jonathan Taves dealt with this internally. Um, I understand he's frustrated. I understand he's a veteran. He's won in the past. He knows what it takes. But I under, I just don't think this is something you need to go public about in, a, in an interview. Um, it just doesn't seem super professional on his part. But I understand that he's frustrated. And, and this open letter was necessary, especially after that. Um, speaking about the letter, don't think it gives me really that much insight into what's going on. It's a lot of fluff. And, and that's going to happen when you get open letters and uh, if anyone's listened to this has has read it, I think they'd agree that it's it's pretty hard to read in terms of what's going on. When I read it, I get the impression that they're kind of committing to a rebuild, but kind of not. Like it's kind of looks like more like a teardown type of thing. But to that point, like it's very ambiguous and doesn't really commit to anything. It doesn't. If I was a Blackhawks fan, wouldn't really know like where the direction of the Blackhawks are going, specifically Stan Bowman. I think rebuilds can be effective. Um, You know, you look at New York Rangers, for example, who just did a rebuild and, you know, the future is extremely bright over there. But I hold the opinion that, like, if you're going to rebuild, like, rebuild. Don't, like, tear down. Like, if you're going to really, like, commit to the process. And... Of that process, they uh, they should be looking at potentially trading one of their three core pieces. One of them. One of them. Um, and I know that is an extremely unpopular opinion, but I, I think that by doing so, they'll, they'll, they'll able the team to be better. So Jacob, I'm gonna throw you some some information here. 
And I want you to tell me, out of the three, who would you trade? And out of the three, I'm talking about Taze, Kane, and uh, Duncan Keith, the defenseman. So Taze, 32, uh, 10.5 AAV. Um, Same with Kane, 32, 10.5 AAV. Those are pretty high contracts. Um, Taze has a no-movement clause. Or, yeah, he has a no-movement clause, but potentially could be waived. Um, Keith has 5.53 AAV, um, but he's 37. So, you know, at Taze and Keynes' age, like, I see them still being there in terms of, like, age. Like, they still have a lot of hockey left, um, but I, I don't know about Keith. What, what What do you think? First, do you even agree that my idea of trading one of them or like, what would you do here if you were Stan Bowman? Um, yeah. You mentioned earlier that if you're going to do a rebuild, like commit to the rebuild, right? I don't fully agree with that. I think you can rebuild, but I also think at the same time, you can still try and win as much as possible. Um, I think it's harmful to an organization when you, when winning isn't your number one priority. I think that deters fans from watching. I think that makes the fan base upset. And I think that makes the players upset playing for that team because they're just placeholders. Um, but that being said, I think building with all three of these players is one of their is probably one of their best um, options in my opinion. I think having the experience that three of these guys have um, and passing that on to the next generation of, of talented players in Chicago. Because I remember Taves and Kane uh, and Keith were all part of those those dynasties for a bit uh, in the past decade, right? They won some cups and they're really good. Um, Thirty two isn't that old. Uh, Kane and Taves, and I think they got some good hockey in there. So if they want to rebuild in the next, I don't know, let's say two, three years, and they're they're able to be competitive, why not? Why not keep both those guys? And if Kane's still effective out there, why not keep him as well? Obviously, if you get a great offer for any one of those guys, consider it. But I wouldn't be actively shipping them out if you believe in your your core right now. I think you can rebuild some young players. Uh, sorry, not rebuild, build up some young players to play alongside them and eventually be your new core. But while you have a decent core, why not try and utilize that? I just, when I look at the Blackhawks roster and and as a team, I don't see a team that is contending anytime soon, right? Like um, Blackhawks fans would know, like they got rid of Robin Leonard at the trade deadline this past year, which, you know, still to this day doesn't really make any sense. And there are a team... Speaking of, you know, Robin Leonard, like they are a team that has absolutely no goaltending, like zero. I think they're like one, two is uh, Malcolm Subban and Colin, Colin D'Elia, uh, who Colin D'Elia I don't think even played an NHL game yet. So that one, two tandem clearly isn't going to be taking you to the playoffs. And I, I just don't see them being the Chicago Blackhawks, which they once were with them still hanging on to these three contracts, which are pretty pretty expensive and especially with like the COVID-19 pandemic like there's not going to be a lot of teams that are going to want to bite that contract but still nevertheless like if you know Stan Bowman is trying to plan for the future and hopefully become a contending team again I, I don't know I don't know so I'm I'm saying you don't need to compete this year but with, at 32 years old Taves and Kane I would say have a good five of solid hockey five years of solid hockey left in them is that is that fair uh yeah i would say kane probably has a little bit more longevity in his career just based on like the type of game he plays taze Mm -hmm. is like a you know know, crash the net pretty physical um Mm -hmm. so like the wear and tear on his body is going to be a little bit more but nevertheless like you know it's still patrick kane and jonathan taze uh so i'm saying is i'm saying if they're only 32 if you have some guys that you have an eye on right now and have an idea that you want to build with, maybe keep Taves and Kane around to help build those guys up. And when you're contenders in two, three years, they're going to be like giving you solid, solid minutes and solid experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you see those two being, you know, like one, two centers? I, I don't, I don't know. Like, no, I don't see them being one, two centers. If, if, if they're like 35 years old and Chicago's building with this core that they believe has the potential to be competitive in a couple of years. Maybe if they have a guy going forward, pair him with Kane, another guy pair him with Taves. And, and you got two really solid lines. You got a lot of solid experience with those two. And again, I'm not the hockey guy here. 
But knowing what I know about Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane is that they're getting old, but they got some solid minutes in them left. They got solid minutes in them left. And I think, I know as a Leafs fan, I'd be happy to have one of those guys on my team. Am I wrong? No, no. As I mentioned, like they're still Jonathan Taves and mm-hmm. uh, Patrick mm-hmm. Kane at 32 or, or whatever. They're, they're still elite hockey players in this league. I, I, I guess where just I'm coming from or similar to like Blackhawks fans, there's just no really clear direction, right? Like I don't really understand a lot of the moves Stan Bowman's been making, whether it be, as I mentioned, trading Robin Leonard at the deadline or, or getting rid of these two pieces um, and no really clear communication with the players as well, right? Like if your captain's going up out publicly and voicing his frustrations, like that's serious. So yeah, it'll just be interesting nice. to see kind of what, um he that like the Blackhawks do but I come from the opinion that if they are gonna do it or if they do truly want to make this team better for the future then they should at least be open to the idea of potentially trading one of their core pieces just because you know a couple of years down the line like that 10.5 AEV is uh is not going to be too pretty on the cap, especially in a pandemic area, right? Mm-hmm. That's all. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's uh, that's the first opinion. I appreciate that, Jacob. What, what do you uh, what do you got on deck for us? Alrighty, I got a fun one. I got uh, the core of the Blue Jays and how I don't think it really needs to include Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, I believe the Jays' priority and who they should be keeping. So the priority of of kind of what the core is and who they need to really lock up going forward. I think you got to start number one, Bo Bichette. I think just seeing him play, he's been injured. Uh, he didn't have a lot of minutes or a lot of time this year, a lot of innings. Um, but he's electric for for the time he was playing, and he's exciting. He does need to work on his fielding. Uh, we'll find something for him. He'll get better. But his potential is, I think, it's unmatched in terms of um, the Jays players right now. I think he, he can hit the ball hard. He's going to play hard every game. Mm, he's my number one guy. Number two, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. He... Had an amazing season. He's a Gold Glove finalist. Um, people really don't think about him as much as they should in terms of the Jays' core, and I think they need to start looking about him as as a guy that can take us somewhere and be a part of a team that goes somewhere. Third, I got Calvin Biggio. Really versatile, gets on base, solid player, works hard. Um, a guy you want in the locker room. Fourth, I got Nate Pearson. Um, as you guys know, he was our our supposed to be our our savior. In terms of uh, after Hunjin Ryu, he was supposed to be our number, maybe number two guy as a starter. Um, this year didn't really work out too great as he was on the IL for a bit, but we saw glimmers of greatness from him. Guy can throw one of one hundred one, one hundred two on on a good day, and that's exciting. Uh, it's, it's a it's a game right now where you need guys that throw hard, um, and if he's able to be that guy for us, that's exciting, and I think he's going to grow for sure. And then fifth, I got Teoscar Hernandez breakout year for him. Um, I believe he's a Hank Aaron finalist in the AL, which is top offensive player. He just, he exploded this year and he had the power. We all knew that, but he really kind of put it together, had a decent average, decent power, um, good slugging, good OPS. Couldn't ask for more from this year. And this is a little, this is a little bit of a gray area, but next I got Austin Martin. We don't know exactly what he can do, um, but he's a steal of the draft. He's very versatile, can play so many positions, can hit the ball. And I think, Given him one or two years, he's going to be a great part of this lineup we're looking forward to. And then finally, I have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Here's my thing with Vlad, Simon. I don't know if you're with me to this point. Are you with me to this point? I'm trying, man. I'm trying. All right, just just stick along here. So I'm of the belief, I'm, I hold the opinion that Vladdy is expendable and can be traded. And if I think this is a decent time to trade him as his... Um, his stock is pretty good still. People think he can hit the ball, and he can hit the ball hard. We'll talk about that in a second. But if we do uh, end up keeping Vladimir Guerrero Jr., he needs to be a DH and a DH only, not a first baseman. So let's look at his stats compared to others, okay? Seventh in the team on OPS, which is on base plus slugging, okay? Seventh on a guy that hit fourth and fifth for most of the year, right? That's not numbers you want to see. OPS, seventh on base percentage. Sixth and slugging percentage. And these are the stats that people look at today. People are looking at OPS. Is this 2019, 2020? No, this is just this 2020 season. So it's a smaller sample size, but it's the same as everyone else on the team, right? 
he had his chance to, to do well. Um, he did have decent numbers in home runs, average RBIs, but again, you talk to, to some baseball analytics guys, like they don't care about average home runs, RBIs anymore. People will be like, that doesn't indicate anything about the player. Well, I do agree. I also think you should look at those numbers. Um, I just don't think he's really a stellar player. But there is one bright spot in his game that I do see, and I see he hits the ball hard. So a little stat here from uh, Fangraphs. If you guys have ever heard of Fangraphs, they got some great stats. They got stat cast, so pretty much talking about ground balls, um, all these advanced metrics. Um, sorry. He's capable of hitting the ball hard. So 50% of his hits had an exit velocity of 90 miles an hour plus. 95 miles an hour plus. So that's a hard that hit good? ball. That's really good. That's great. He's hitting the ball hard, but... He hit ground balls 55% of the time he put the ball in play. That is not good. If you're hitting the ball 95 miles an hour, but right at the shortstop or right at the third baseman, which like we saw happen so many times, 55% of the time, what good is that? Like He's got to really harness the skill he has to, to hit the ball hard because he hits the ball so hard and he can be so good. We've seen him at the home run derby just slap baseballs, right? So he's got the potential to hit the ball. But I think he needs to focus on just hitting the ball. If we're going to keep him, we have to make sure, buddy, we, we know you can hit the ball hard. That's going to be your one job here. Are you with me still? I'm, I'm, I'm here, Jacob. What do you think about that? Do you think I'm not Fadi in is, full agreement? Do you think he should be higher up on the on kind of the core list of players? Do you think I he needs to be I definitely think he should be higher than Austin Martin, who has yet to play a Major League Baseball game. That's fair. That could go either way. I can give you that. But yeah, I just don't. But, I just, yeah. What? Tell me more. No, I think it's it's tough. Like, I, I understand that the uh, like the return on Vladdy would, would be high right now. And if he continues the way that he's playing, like, it's just going to depreciate. But in the same breath, like he could get better or he could at least become the player that he was projected or, or, or talked about. Right. But, but I agree that he has not been what yet, at least what I think the Jays thought he was going to be. But again, Jacob, he's so young. Yeah, I know. I think he's a 99. And he's cheap and he's cheap nonetheless right now. Yeah, so his that's contract. Like, that's the other he's thing. A, he's a free agent in 2026. Yeah. So you are right. We have we have a lot of time, uh, and we're paying him. I think his 2020 contract was only five hundred and seventy nine thousand dollars. So that is really cheap. You're right. Um, but at and the same want time, to know why I'm optimistic about, or at least hesitant from trading Vladdy, is. I'm thinking of a of a player who became a home run king later on in his career. Do you know who I'm talking about? I do know who you're talking about. You're going to talk about Jose Bautista, aren't you? Exactly. And I, listen, I'm not comparing the two at all. All I'm saying is that at such a young age, and specifically in baseball, it does take time for players to, to develop in the league. Um, and I agree that it's a small sample size of uh, the 2020 season, but nonetheless, it was a was a weird year back in Buffalo. Flatty seems the Flatty seems like the type of guy to enjoy the theatrics and the fans and such. Show, I'm not on the trade the Vladdy bandwagon just yet. Uh, if you talk to me in a in a year where uh, where his season is similar to this past season, then yeah, I, I could potentially see it see it. Um, but at this moment in time, I definitely think Vladdy is part of the Blue Jays' core. Um, I, I do think that like they haven't been. I don't think they're going to trade Vladdy personally. I don't think and they think, will either. Yeah, but I think I think we're entering a window um, where we have these guys, and I think we got to start building around them soon. Like when you say. Or like when when he has like a, a down year, what are you re- like comparing it to? Are you comparing? Obviously, you're doing it by by team and such, but like by all accounts, do you think he should be performing 
much, much better or a little bit better or like how much of a, like how disappointing in your eyes was his, this, like was his season this year? So here's the, the two biggest things that thought for me. Number one, like you can't be seventh in team OPS. You can't be like, you're supposed to be our best hitter. Like last year, if I had to say, Hey man, look at our roster and tell me who you think in 2020 is going to be our best hitter. You'd say, well, after Vladdy gets one year in the MLB, he's going to be so good. Cause we heard all these things from double A, triple A. And we saw him at the home run derby. We're like, okay, man, after he gets used to major league pitching, best player on the Jays, all-star. And maybe I'm over-exaggerating a little bit, but I think a lot of people had this confidence and now he's seventh on the team in OPS. Like that's disappointing. That's disappointing, Simon. Another thing, so many ground balls. Why are you hitting so many ground balls? And I know you can't control every swing. He can't run. Like, I just don't get it, man. Like, what is there to be excited about right now? I'm just not excited about him. The way I'm excited for Vlad, the way I'm excited, sorry, Vlad, for Bo, for Guriel, for Pearson, for Hernandez. Like, it's Austin not the same Martin, for me. Apparently that you have on before Vladdy. Yep, uh, yeah, I'll stick to that. That's wild. That is wild. That's that's a little out there. I'll give you that, but I'm gonna stick to that. Okay. All right. No, man. Like, and I, I like. Let's revisit this conversation in a year from now. And if that, like, if he's still doing, you know, Vladdy behavior like this past season, then yeah, I think we got to move, right? Because like, there gets to a point where like, what you just kind of touched on when like the other players are are coming into their prime. Like we can't yep. waste, you know, nope. prime Bichette. No, nope. we can't waste, um, you know, Hernandez, if Hernandez is in his prime, Gurriel is going into his prime, Vigio is going into his prime, like Pearson, hopefully. And if we're adding one or two, like starting pitchers there, we're going to be in a window. We're going to be in a window to hopefully compete. So, it's going to get to like that point. And I think like that's when that conversation is going to take place when it's like Vladdy is inhibiting the, like the team to compete for a, for a chip. And I just don't think they're there yet because I don't think the team is at the very least. If, um, you know, the rest of the team was, you know, excelling and their performance was, was doing well and they were consistent and, um, they rely on him for production. Exactly. He's exactly. in a power spot. He's in four or five hole. Like that's where you get production. So at the very least, I just want to see them make him move to DH. Um, I know other people hold that opinion. Other fans agree with me that he's not someone you can really fully trust at first base here. Here's an example of where something where I think here? he was third base in his first year. Um, and they noticed he wasn't very mobile. So first base it is. And, and even at first base, like Simon, let me, let me give you, Three, two, two scenarios I remember directly, like clearly in my memory. So there's a shift on. There's a lot of shifts going on now. People are, are playing the shift. So shift to a right-handed batter means there's um, everyone's kind of moved over to the left side of the field and Vladdy's farther from first base. A couple times in the situation, Vladdy goes to his right to field the ground ball when the second baseman was there and the pitcher has to get over and it's just a really messy play. He's got to make a perfect throw. It's just twice in, in pretty close games that happened. And it's just inexperience. And it's just, I don't think we have the time to play around with that. So I think he's got to go. I think he's got to go from first base and potentially from the Jays. You could, like, this could be either the worst take or, like, the best. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, no, I agree. If, like, if, if, uh, if you do say... Like if what you think is gonna happen happens, then like that's crazy that you like you were for my opinion, like for my perspective, like you're the first person that I've heard that wants to trade Vladdy. So uh, that'd be uh, that'd be that'd be a moment, man. And uh, I'm gonna hold on to this soundbite if uh, that comes into fruition because uh, you heard it here first, guys. Uh, six on six, six right? Pod. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, second podcast in. All righty. Okay. What do we, we got next? We've got, oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Travis Dermott is a good hockey player, and he is on the Leafs, 
which is even better. And just a quick backstory or, or just a quick background information for the listeners. He just signed one year, $874,000, $125 contract. Uh, just a one year, kind of prove it, bet on yourself contract to uh, accommodate the team's cap. And I am ecstatic for Travis Dermott being a Toronto Maple Leaf. And Jacob, what's your thoughts on that? Joke. This is a joke. I think, I know you know my thoughts on this. I, I don't think Travis Dermott is a good hockey player. Uh, I just don't. And I don't have the stats to back this up. But I went to a couple games last year. And every time I watched him touch the puck in the defensive end, it was like, oh, I guess someone on the other team is going to get it now. I guess he's going to give it right away. And I swear to you, Simon, that happened. In the two games I watched him, it happened five times. It happened five times. And I, I promise you, this is this is, this is is very, very clear recollection. I remember him, in his own end, give the puck up five times. And I know that's a small sample size. I only went to two games. But that sticks with me. That's something that sticks with me. And I just don't trust him as a defensive player on the Leafs. So I don't think it's funny you say him. that because like a lot of the micro stats uh, on him like point to him being a pretty good defensive player. Um, and I know the situations that you're talking about. Like he is a uh, like you know like Travis Dermott like plays a great game, but then there's like like two plays in the game where you're like, wow, like what are you doing? Do you want to know? Do you want to know who he reminds me of? Don't don't say it. Jake Gardner. I knew you were going to say that. Jake Gardner, the worst defensive player of all time. Of all time. Of all time. I'm upset. I'm upset about this. <laughs> I can't believe ah. Uh. Okay, keep going. So here's the reason why I like Travis Dermott, uh, specifically on the deal that uh, he wants or he took. It is cheap. It is cheap. It is cheap. Cheap, but not only... He's a 23-year-old with 157 games uh, played in the NHL. You can't really find a 23-year-old with that many games under your belt, specifically, um, specifically a defenseman. Like usually, it takes like usually 23 when defensemen come into the league or start becoming extremely effective. It's clear he wanted to be a Toronto Maple Leaf based on the contract he took. Um, or no one else wanted to sign him because he's not worth top, it. Is he a top four defenseman at this moment? No. But do I see him potentially being the becoming into that role in no. kind of the future? I no. Jacob, what? I, I truly see like every time I've heard, you know, Travis Dermott trade option either on Twitter or you know somewhere else, what have you. I always kind of like flinch a little bit just because like, I truly think Travis Dermott could like, like flourish in, in a defensive top four role. Eventually I just see potential with him. Well, you'll be wrong and we'll both remember this. Yeah, it'll be good. Like the, like, I like the kid too. Like he's just, he seems like a down, like a, like Toronto based kid. Want, grew up wanting to play the Toronto like wanting to play for his hometown team like you got to respect it and for the deal that he took man like you can't it's tough to be angry I guess it is but um you're right it is cheap so at least at least we're not overpaying him at least we're not overpaying him no no okay okay what's next so I got some thoughts pretty controversial here um LeBron James, he's just not who I would pick at this moment to lead my team to a championship. I know it's unpopular. I know he just won one. And I know that um, my opinion probably is a little biased, um, especially when you hear who my, who my pick would be. So this year, without AD, I just don't think the Lakers are the team they were. And obviously, you can say the same about LeBron um, not being on the Lakers, but other than assists per game, AD was the team leader in all big stat categories. So points, rebounds, steals, blocks, AD was the team leader. LeBron had, he is a great playmaker. He, he had a league lead in assists over 10. 
but he's just he's not the same guy I was scared of when the Raptors when he was in the Lebronto stage when he was on the Cavs just running through Toronto I remember especially in 2018 watching him take that Cavs team to the finals against Golden State it was just like man playoff LeBron is is maybe the best player in history um at that point I was like man LeBron's the best in the world um no no contest but at this point if I'm if I'm saying hey I have a fantasy draft and I'm going to pick um, with the first overall pick to take my team to a championship in this year, I'm taking Kawhi Leonard. And here's why. Again, a little biased, but I, we've seen him do it with the Raptors. We we saw them just trade a key piece in DeMar DeRozan, who was our best player, for Kawhi Leonard. And Kawhi Leonard just took us to that promised land. Yes, he didn't have a great playoffs this year. I know that. But I think if you ask any Toronto fan, watching the the playoffs as closely as we did last year, we just had this trust and certainty in Kawhi to just score the basketball when he had it and to stop the basketball when he was on the, on the defensive end. And I think LeBron takes some defensive possessions off now. Um, obviously, you see the chase down blocks. Yeah, the highlights. Yeah, cool. But like putting him one-on-one on like another team star, you can't do that the same way you can do that for Kawhi. And he, 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 he can do it. I'm just saying he doesn't do it as much as Kawhi does it. Kawhi is a better shooter. Kawhi is better at adapting to a team's offense. Uh, LeBron is maybe the most ball-dominant player besides uh, James Harden in the league. He, he's got to have the ball in his hands to make a difference. Whereas Kawhi, if he's around other decent shooters, Kawhi can play in a system and still be the number one guy. Um so again, the Clippers did choke, and uh, Kawhi didn't have the best playoffs, but as you hear some stuff coming out of that locker room, you hear that the chemistry wasn't there this year. People were a little upset with Kawhi taking time off, and if you look on the other end, the Lakers had amazing synergy. They were they were, they were, were all like best friends, and you didn't hear anyone calling anyone else out. So um, I think you have to take team chemistry into account, but if you've got a team that's going to support Kawhi, uh, especially the way Toronto did, Kawhi's just... Kawhi's the guy I want on my team. I'm going to be honest with you. It's not LeBron anymore. And at one point it was, but it's not anymore. Okay. Okay. I think that was an amazing argument. I don't think you can top that. So here's my opinion on Kawhi. And I want to preface this with saying that when Kawhi won a championship with Toronto last year, I was like, yeah, this guy is unreal. Best player uh, in the league. Currently, like, he would just dom- dominate entire postseason. In, in fact, the entire regular season too last year. Like, he was just unreal. But then I watch him in L.A. And I'm not just talking about the bubble. Because you could say a lot about the bubble, right? Like, weird environment you can attribute some of the some of the woes potentially to that. But I, I look at his performance in LA and I didn't see the Kawhi dominance slash just like unreal plays that I saw last year whenever I tuned into a Clippers game. So I yes, he choked against um against uh, uh, Denver but he just didn't wasn't like he wasn't the same Kawhi and I hold the opinion that Kawhi takes good teams and turns them into like champion like championship level caliber teams okay that's fair can I give you some stats yeah no for sure so, 2018-2019, Kawhi, 26.6 points per game, um, up a little bit this year with the Clippers to 27.1. Um, his stats were almost identical. So, I can't, I don't think you can say, like, in points per game, blocks per game, steals per game, uh, rebounds, assists. Assists, he actually had more this year by by a decent amount. Uh, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, almost identical, like, he was arguably better this year. How many games my did opinion. he play this year? He played 57 games this year, and he played 60 last year. Really? Mm-hmm. And this year he averaged 32.4 minutes, and last year it was 34 minutes. Yeah, I don't know. 
I just don't so, see like I don't fair. see Kawhi winning uh, a championship without the supporting cast of um, Kyle Lowry, Siakam, Van Vliet. Like, like it wasn't just Leonard. Like Leonard's performance off season was spectacular, nonetheless. But it wasn't like yeah, he can. He's the best player in the entire league. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm saying, if you give him like a team similar to the Raptors, where guys are are gonna work hard. Because on the Clippers, man, you got like Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, guys that are like Paul George trash, who was supposed to be his like, you know, his sidekick. Paul George was absolute garbage in the playoffs. Uh, but in 2019, let me give you this stat. Tyus was the sixth player in NBA history to score 700 plus points in a single postseason. Okay. That's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Guessing number two was. Who? LeBron James. Wow, 2018. You just, 2018 was LeBron. perfect timing, eh, Jacob? You just had that yeah. ready to fire, eh? Yeah, so, I mean, LeBron, his, when I, when I, I'll take you back to the beginning of this take. When I said 2018 LeBron, I thought was the best player I've seen. LeBron, Kawhi did it better than he did that season. So I think if you're, like, and that's, and that's LeBron's prime, and he's not, he's not there anymore, and it's clear. I know people say, oh, yeah, he still got it. He does still have it, but he just doesn't have status of being the player I want to take me to a championship anymore, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, and I can, I, I see you made some points that the Raptors supporting cast was good. It was, but I just think other than that Clippers team, you put them on a team with guys that have good energy and, and you can have good synergy with Kawhi's going to adapt well and just be your guy. Don't sleep you on him next I year. See, you know what I see a lack of on that Clippers team, Jacob? Leadership. Yeah, one hundred percent. I don't uh, see Kawhi. I don't see Kawhi as a leader. He's he's not a vocal leader. He's similar to Jonathan Tavares, where he's going to go out and bust his bust his butt and give you the minutes, give you the the thing. Lead by example, right? I think you can agree that he's not vocal. I think everyone knows he's not vocal. That's why we had Kyle Lowry, and the Clippers didn't have a Kyle Lowry this year. They had Patrick Beverly, who's like. Uh, like a homeless version of Kyle Lowry, but you don't have you don't have Kyle Lowry, so. And I also just look You're at, right. I also just look at like Jimmy Butler, right? Like that guy is an animal, and he's, he's a broke man. He's he's a poor man's Kawhi Leonard still. Yeah. At the end yeah. of the day, he is. Yeah. Sorry, exactly. sorry to everyone who's who's kind of on him right now because he had a great playoffs. He did, but at the end of the day, he does everything Kawhi does, just yeah. slightly worse. Yeah, so that's that. And I, I also you. think it's important that we uh, admit to our listeners that you and I, specifically you, are still a little bit emotional um, regarding Kawhi's departure last last season. So yeah, I think um, him leaving might be the worst decision uh, any athlete has ever made um, in terms of signing somewhere. Um, yeah, any any professional sports even decision like i'm talking drafts we're talking trades we're talking signings worst worse than the anthony bennett going first overall to the cleveland cavaliers in 2013 any decision that's been made in professional sports this is the worst since we're on uh, and reliving the toronto championship i i saw on twitter or somewhere um, like a graphic with like the 2018 raptors versus the 20 20- uh, 19 Lakers in a game seven, like in a seven game series. Mm-hmm. And there's actually like a lot of uh, um, debate. And, and, and since we're on this topic, I, I'd love to hear what you would like, how you, how that series would play out, Jacob. Like I am biased. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I have to go with the Raptors. Like I know LeBron James, LeBron James, but, He's going to get shut down by Kawhi. I'm sorry, like not shut down, but he's going to be mm-hmm. slowed down by Kawhi. Mm-hmm. And Kawhi's going to get his buckets on LeBron. Yeah. Siakam's no longer going to be after the number He's no longer going to have to be the number one option. And he no. thrives as a secondary. We saw him a most improved player of the year. Um, struggled this year as the first option in the playoffs. But if he has Kawhi taking most of the attention, he's going to be back on his game. Not to mention Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet as guys who were just dogs compared to who raised on Rondo, uh, Alex Caruso, like, sure, they'll give you decent minutes, but they're not going to give you the kind of minutes those two will. Um, you look at OG Ananobi, Kyle Kuzma, like, 
there was a petition for Kyle Kuzma to not get a ring. Like, Lakers fans were signing that. So, I would definitely take OG and Anobi in that situation. And then Serge and Dwight Howard probably be a pretty good matchup. Uh, but given Marcus All too, like in that, like I think, I think there's one debatable toss, not debatable. There's one toss up uh, matchup, sorry, that goes for the Lakers, and that's AD over Siakam. But even so, Siakam's gonna give you decent, this decent production. Raptors defense is was well, still is, but was extremely good last year as well. Oh yeah, I would take the Raptors in six. Then you know. People are gonna come. People are gonna be upset with I that. I say, and, uh, 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 I say, Raptors seven. Okay, that's fair. As long as it's the Raptors. Yeah, but again, we got to own our bias here. No, we do. Hundred percent. This is a sports podcast. We're not going to say Raptors, Lakers, but yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. All right. Let's. Uh, yeah. Let's hear the Simon's Simon's third take here. So this is a fun one. And it's not hard hitting or, or cutting cutting edge in regards to the take. It's re- kind of reviewing the answers of uh, NHL player pool, and I'm gonna be asking uh, I'm gonna be asking you some questions, Jacob, and I want to see if that you, like if your answers uh, are the same as the players uh, the players' answers. And for those who are not subscribed to the Athletic, I definitely recommend uh, that you guys go do that. Uh, that is not a sponsored message. I am not paid by the Athletic, but they do a great job in reporting. So uh, definitely go good, definitely go check them out. But every year they do an NHL player poll where they um, survey current NHL players and they ask them questions. And uh, it's it's kind of revealing. I, I really like reading these polls. They do it with like coaches and all that. So hopefully this may become a regular segment when they do come out. So they uh, athletic recorded uh, 400 responses. They talked to 400 athletes, NHL players, uh, which is about half the league. So we've got a good sample size. Okay. All right, Jacob. Best player currently in the game. And before you answer... I want to ensure that like this isn't like your opinion. This would be the opinion of either the teammates of play- said player or teammates of or like you're playing against just players, person. players so in the league. Think exactly who do you think the best player is in the NHL? According to the players, mm-hmm. I think regardless, they're going to say Connor McDavid. You are correct. Okay. And uh, and the win was not even close. It shouldn't um, be, to be fair. Yeah, and guys, Jacob has not seen these answers no. or yeah. or the stats. Like this is complete. Um, like he he's just smart with it. Uh, but yeah, yeah so sixty three percent of the players, sixty three percent of the players said Connor McDavid, um, and then second was Nathan McKinnon at seventeen percent. And then Sidney Crosby at fifteen percent for number three. Wow, I get. I think I would have guessed that in that order almost. Maybe Crosby too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Ready? Yep. So this, this one's a fun one, and I still think you're probably gonna get this one. But anyways, Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Final. Aside from your own goalie, who are you starting in goal? I don't know um, goalies that well anymore, but as like that's a tough one. I think I, I'm gonna go Carey Price just because I know for so long he's been the favorite. Am I am I wrong? I'm probably wrong. No, you're correct. Oh really? Really? Um yeah, and the 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 lead isn't as egregious with this answer. Carey Price got thirty three percent of the um re responses. Mm-hmm. Mark Andre Fleury came second at twenty three percent, and then Andre Vasilevsky uh, was at eleven percent. Okay. Okay. Just want to put this out there: Frederick Anderson did get votes for this. Why? I have absolutely no idea, but he did. 
which is absurd. Okay. So these next couple of questions, well, I, I think you'll, I think you have a chance at least. Um, who do you think the most underrated player is? Underrated. I'm gonna go with yeah. Mark Stone. You're not getting this. No. No. Uh, sorry, what'd you say, Mark Stone? Yeah. No. So, uh, number one was Alexander Barkov. He's the captain uh, of the Panthers. Yeah. And the second was Jonathan Huberdo, who also plays for the Panthers. People think he's underrated? Uh, Huberdo? Yeah. I thought he was pretty, pretty loved. I mean, for the seven Panthers fans, probably. Fair, fair. Okay. Okay. You'll, I think you'll be able to get this one. Who do you think the dirtiest, dirtiest player in the league is? Oh, man. I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I don't know. When I tell you the answer, you're not going to be surprised. Who is it? Rod Marchand. How did I not guess that? Everyone hates him. 29%. That's brutal. Yeah. He's so talented, too. That's the worst part. Yeah, he's unreal. I mean, he's getting up there in age, but yeah, it was, he's a good player. Like you, you don't expect the people to vote the dirtiest player in the league to be someone who's like also a goal scorer. Nah, man. Like, like players who also got were like Brady Tuchuk, um, oh, yeah. Nazem Kadri, sure. um... Malkin, Taylor Hall. Really? Yeah. It's those little sny little guys. Like, okay. I think they can get away yeah, with they're it. They're like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Who is the best defensive defenseman? We're going to lead off with who it's not. It's not Travis Dermott. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say... Oh, man. Is it? You no. should get this. I think. Is he like a like a big name? Yeah, Drew Doughty. Oh my god. Maybe no. in like twenty fifteen or twenty fourteen. Oh, is it? Is it Petrangelo? He got votes, but no. Okay. Okay. Victor Hedman. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Uh, but some notable, he got 17%, um, but some notable okay. individuals, Jake Muzzin got some votes, um, oh, Petrangelo got some votes, Char got some votes. Um, yeah, no, but Victor Hyman okay. at 17%. And then second was Shea Weber with 10%. That's a fair one. I, was, I think that was one of them uh, I was going to go with, but yeah. cool. So this one's a fun one. And I think there's like a lot of individuals that, would fit this which player not on your own team would you most like to have a beer with that's a good one i feel like people love patrice bergeron not even did not even get um an honorable mention okay again let me get one more chance one more chance Mm mm-hmm Give me Shea Weber. I feel like he's a well-loved guy too. He got like an honorable mention, but okay, he's not okay. like he's not even on he's the chart. No. Okay, okay. Who is it? Alex Ovechkin. Really? Yeah, man. Fourteen. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool. That'd be cool. This, li- this list is kind of weird. Like it goes Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, which. I don't know. I, I feel like a beer with Sidney Crosby would be pretty boring. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, um, the next Joe Thornton, which would be fun. Yeah. I'd have a beer with I Joe Thornton. With then Keith Yandel and Brent Burns. Brent Burns makes sense. Yeah, he's a character too. Okay, this is interesting. Um... 
and you come up, you come from a sport where like advanced statistics are important mm-hmm. and NHL and hockey more general has just started to kind of use or pay attention to advanced stats. And so one of the questions was, do you pay attention to advanced stats? Um, how many, like how, like, like what percentage, percentage percentage of how many people said yes? 15. Wow. 14. Yeah. That, this answer yeah. surprised me. Because I be thought higher? it would be, yeah. No, people don't. I think I think people that actually play don't care. I'm going to be honest about advanced stats, but especially in hockey, where I think it's more the, like, I think baseball, you probably get a higher answer. Basketball, maybe even a little bit of a higher answer, but I think in, in hockey, you're going to get a pretty low answer. Yeah, I, I it makes sense. Like, I see why it's low, but I just thought it would be higher just because, like, the narrative around advanced stats, like, I swear every, like, signing the Leafs do, we're getting, like, heat maps and goals against, you know, per 60 and, you know, all of these, like, high percentile micro stats. And I thought it would have at least transitioned or transpired to, like, being of some importance to the to the players. And I know it's 14%, but I thought it would be, like, a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I just don't think. Okay. Yeah. All right, last one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. If you could change one rule, what would it be? And I guess for this one, don't think of it from, I guess, the player's perspective. I mean, if you want to, but if, As a let's say I was asking you this question, like what, rule would you want to change maybe the icing rule like i obviously it's i know this is pretty bad for me to say this but i miss those big collisions like guys racing for the puck i know that's pretty dangerous and but that's fun to watch like guys going really hard into the boards versus the puck that was exciting to watch and i kind of missed that but i understand i understand the rule don't get me wrong what did this I one say? was close. This, like, all of these were pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, remove the puck over glass penalty. So meaning, like, if a defenseman or forward, I guess, like, I would delay a game. Shoots the yeah, that becomes a delay a game, and they want to get rid of that because, like, sometimes it's just unintentional. Yeah. But sometimes it is intentional. Like, it's just really yeah. it's confusing, and a lot of players don't like it. That's fair. And then at, at second, it was uh, no more offside challenges. Yeah. I mean, mm, that makes sense. That makes sense. I think as a player, that makes sense. But as a coach, I think you want to keep that. Mm-hmm. Well, and as a league, too, I think you're going to want to yeah. keep that, right? Yeah, you want to hold um, them accountable. Mm-hmm. That's a cool and poll. That was fun. The next, uh, sorry, just what the last one. Of that was like mm-hmm. no shootouts, which I agree with. Get rid of shootouts. I'm done with shootouts. I hate them. Disagree. Oh my god. I love shootouts. What do you mean? They're so fun to watch. Wouldn't you want like a ten minute overtime? No. I hate I... playoff overtimes. No no no. I'm talking about regular season. Ten minutes. I know, but I'm just saying, I hate when there's no shootout. I'm hating when there's no shootout. What? Yeah. I love watching it. Like, shootouts don't like don't represent like the integrity of winning a hockey game. Okay. It's still fun to watch. Like shootouts are fun to watch. You're saying that you would rather watch a shootout than three V three overtime? No, um, I like 3v3 over time, but I, I like the fact that if you can't solve it after 10 minutes or 5 minutes, like, do something else. And that's cool. It's fun. It's exciting. It's exciting, Simon. I'm sorry. 
you are the minority in this opinion because fans don't like it, coaches don't like it, and now apparently to this poll, players don't like it either. I don't know. I just don't. I'll miss them. I'll miss them. I'll miss them. Yeah. All right. That was fun. That was fun. That was fun. I uh, hopefully we can do something like that when these polls come out. Yeah. Shout out to the athletic. For sure. All right, so we're gonna do our last take here, and uh, this is just gonna be a little rundown. Um, Not really an opinion. Not really an opinion take, but we're gonna kind of give you a rundown of what happened uh, the night of October twenty fourth. So the World Series, as you know, is going on, and last night's game was, in my opinion, the most exciting display of baseball I've seen since Jose Bautista's bat flip in 2015. So we'll just run through it now. Brett Phillips, not on the ALCS roster, no at-bat since October 7th, steps up in a super, super crucial uh, event uh, circumstance. He's going up against Kenley Jansen, a three-time All-Star, who has, fair, like to be fair, fallen significantly but still has 312 career saves and a second all-time for postseason saves um, to Mariano Rivera, who will never be caught, in my opinion. He's just – I think he has 42 postseason saves, and Kenley has, like, 18. So there's no way anyone's touching that. But, um, yeah, he's just – Jansen's not the same, but still a formidable opponent. Um, last three years of uh, Kenley Jansen's careers have been the highest three ERAs of his career. Yeah, he's been in the league for 10 years. So, again – not the guy he once was. Chris Taylor, the center fielder, comes up after a single uh, to center field from Brett Phillips. Just boots the ball. Simon, that's something you see uh, in 11U House League, not the World Series. That's you can't beer. miss that. That's some beer league behavior. Not even, go. man. No, not even. They're making that play. In this situation, Simon, watch the ball go into your glove, please. Please? That's all I'm asking. I bet you he's done that. He's done that drill thousands of times. But on the biggest stage, you have to make that play. And he he didn't. He kicked it. And then we're going to keep going. A Rosarena. Star of the postseason so far. I think today he just set a new record of most postseason hits with 27. Um, actually, quick update as well in the series. Um, I'm sure you guys already know this, but the Dodgers won. Yeah, they just they so just they're up the three two. A little upset there, but talk about that more in a second. So Rosarena, the the hero of Tampa Bay so far, is rounding third after coming uh, after running from first base. He's rounding third base, and he trips. Like he got shot, a little sniper in center field. He trips, and it it, it seems like the throw's going to beat him because they finally get it in uh, to the catcher. Will Smith catches the ball, looks around for the tag, and as he's turning, the ball just falls out of his glove. He just forgets the ball. He's like, yep, um, yeah, I'm just going to throw this ball behind me. And then, of course, Kenley Jansen is nowhere near like this play. Um, as a pitcher, you're taught you – definitely have to back up the base like if you're not going to back up home plate be behind third base like he's just standing if you can see pictures videos he's just standing like up the third baseline doing absolutely nothing and here's something that i think i took away from this i don't think the rays would ever have a play where so many things went wrong and i think that is still why i have the rays winning the series because when they have to get it done they're going to get it done and i know they're down three two right now but hopefully if anyone hears this after the series is done, the Rays are going to win because the Rays do the small things right. And they get they get it done when they need to get it done. And the, the Dodgers just didn't last night. Thoughts, Simon? Well, let's just... Like, our text conversation last night was not even, like, English. <laughs> like, when it happened, we were like, like, what? Like, did that just happen? Like, was there not only an error by one player, but, like, three mistakes in a row in the World Series? Like, that was just crazy. And, Jacob, you used the word, like, I think trip for the for the runner on third or, or on the third, like, coming home. 
It wasn't a trust take. That was a stumble. That was a, like that was a pure stumble, flat out, like sprawled, like on the ground. Then had to like regain his footing and then like get back up. Like he completely tripped. Like it, it was, it was ridiculous. It was a trip. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and that would have that would have been a smear on his awesome postseason success because he's going to be that guy that fell into the game. But thankfully, you, you don't have to say that about him. Also, fun fact about after this, uh, Will Smith was like hyperventilating a bit because he was like so ecstatic. And he, I don't know if you saw the celebration, uh, but he's like running all over the field because they were chasing him and he was, everyone was so fired up. And afterwards, he was like having a lot of trouble breathing. So thankfully, he's okay. Yeah, I, think he, but... I think he had to like go see the trainer or something. Yeah. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I think I saw a shot on the post game last night. Um, that's exciting. If I am the Dodgers yesterday Mm -hmm. and that play happens, Mm -hmm. you just got to eat the one run, right? Like it was like, like he kind of jammed it, put it in, you know, like, like short center field or whatever. I don't know if you eat it, but you definitely make a good throw to the cutoff through the cutoff. So what play are you making there though? If you're you're through the cutoff, that's what you're doing. So if, if you need to be, you cut you cut that throw off. But if you have a good chance, you still you're still online. So at the end of the day, he just the center fielder. It starts with him, and he blew it. Actually, it starts with Jansen. Why are you making a pitch like that in that count? So yeah. I think Jansen just was out for a picnic last night uh, on that play. He looks lazy. Like you mentioned you, men- like you mentioned it. Lazy. You mentioned it. Like he was on just the third base line, just. <laughs> observing the play it was lazy man. i haven't like played i haven't played a competitive baseball game and like i'm gonna date myself here but like at least seven years okay i know that as a pitcher you go behind the catcher on a home plate play especially in the ninth if there's inning. another runner behind him, if, especially if there's yeah. another runner behind him, yeah. and then you know there's going to be a play at home. So, um, yeah, extremely lazy. There's no excuse for that. Obviously, other like, I'm sure you heard this, Simon, but physical mistakes are going to happen in the game. Mental mistakes are what you can control and should never happen. And that's a mental mistake as opposed to the other two errors that were made on that play. That was crazy. Like that was, that was awesome though. I literally jumped off the wall. I was ex- like, imagine if this was the Jays playing too. Like, I probably would have broken a window just like purely out of adrenaline. Just punched a window, probably kicked someone on the street. I don't know. I don't know. But like, even all three, three, all three situations would have like elicited like a response of like, "Wow, that's crazy that that happened in like the World Series." Mm-hmm. Right, like, like the the play by the by the outfielder, the trip, and the missed tag, or not yep. really, not even a tag, like just <laughs> let the ball dropped go. ball, like, yeah, yeah, dropped a ball basically. Um, like every like all three situations, if only like one happened, would have been like wow, like that's nuts, like that would have been that would have been like a, the narrative of the game, but mm-hmm. it was crazy that all three of them happened. Um at the same time and that that was how the game ended and even mm-hmm. just before that play like that was a great game just to begin with like it was going mm-hmm. back and forth like each both teams were throwing some pretty pretty heavy 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 punches my apologies but yeah that was crazy crazy man loved it though so you think uh you think rays are gonna come back i do i i really do um and unfortunately why? This Unfortunately, will, this, will last, this will be the last uh, take here, guys. But I just want to yeah. know um, why, similar to the Vladdy take, this could either age very, very well or yeah. be be awful. So let's uh, let's put Jacob in the hot seat. Jacob, tell me why you think the Rays are going to make a comeback. I just think this, like the style of their play, is so like grit and grind. Like they're not going to let defensive snafus like that happen and when they need to get those runners across they just get them across it's like next guy up what do i have to do and they get it done and sometimes they don't but i think like today they didn't get it done but at the end of the day 
I think they got it in them to get it done when it needs to get done. So 3-2 is, is not the end of the world. Like people come back from 3-2. It's better than 3-1. So No, for sure. For sure. I think I think keep your eyes out for the Rays and hit me. I'm gonna eat this if 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 I'm wrong. Because Clayton Kershaw has been proving me wrong, and I'm sure he's proved a lot of the people wrong that he's been dealing in these playoffs. So good for him. I would be happy if we got right. This is uh, six pod. Thank you uh, for listening. For all that are still listening, rather, this was the first episode of the weekly Toronto Sports Podcast, hosted by Jacob Sherman and Simon Peebles. If you guys want to hit up on our socials, uh, check us out, um, subscribe. I don't know. Can can you do that on podcasts? Do you subscribe on podcasts? You you follow. You follow on Spotify. Follow. My apologies. Well, yeah, follow us. Um, stay tuned for more content. We appreciate it. And thanks for listening.